Previously on Pockets, Petey, Pockets, and Cogline came across a patch of snail slime that slowed them down. Working their way through it, they came upon something trapped in the slime. Pockets used his trinkets to free the creature, but once he pulled it to safety, he and the others gaped. He had freed a gizzard that was wearing pocketed pajamas. And now for episode six, The Gizzard. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents The Adventures of Pockets. in horror. Long, scaly arms and legs protruded from its tattered, pocketed pajamas. Strangely, the gizzard wasn't looking down at him. Instead, it stared straight ahead. Many thanks for your assistance. The gizzard shot its hand straight out for a shake, but its hand was well over Pockets' head. Pockets slowly looked back at Petey and Cogline, who both shrugged at him. Hello? The gizzard said, grabbing air as it struggled to find a hand to shake. Am I invisible? Pockets wondered. Not wanting to push his luck, he quickly pulled out his floss, tied it to the end of the safety pin, then poked it into the gizzard's cloak. Who's there? The gizzard shouted. Have the decency to say something! Letting out a long, nervous breath, Pockets held onto the floss that was now attached to the gizzard and then ran circles around the creature as fast as he could. Hey! What are you doing? The gizzard wriggled and fought the floss that was growing stronger with every strand Pockets managed to wrap around him. After a few more laps, the giant lizard was completely tied up. There, Pockets said. Now, I'm gonna ask you again. The gizzard glanced aimlessly down in Pockets' direction. You tied up an old blind gizzard? Why'd you even bother to free me from the slime? Blind? Pockets looked over the gizzard's face. Its eyes were clouded, and the creature did look much older than the other gizzards they'd seen marching alongside Tuga. This lizard's scales folded into pale wrinkles, and the spikes along its back were wilting like an old flower. The skin under its chin sagged, and its brow drooped low over its clouded eyes. I didn't know you were a gizzard when I pulled you out, Pocket said sheepishly. Ha! You'd think the scales would be a dead giveaway, the gizzard snarled. We couldn't see you through the slime, Cogling called out from the shell. 
Oh, oh, there's more of you, is there? The old gizzard humphed. A whole band of cowards looking to tie up an old reptile for sport? We can't trust gizzards, Pocket said coldly. You work for Tuga. Wrong. I've never worked for Tuga, nor shall I ever. That foul creature has done nothing but curse this land. Just because he's managed to swindle many of my people into helping him doesn't mean we all have joined his army. You should know better than to judge a beast by its scales. What are you, a Beyondrin? How did you know? Pocket said with surprise. Untie me and I'll tell you. No! Maybe the Cogger will step in and have some sympathy, the gizzard said, tilting his head toward Cogleen, who looked unsettled by being so easily identified. Yes, the tinny sound in your voice is a sure mark of a Cogger. Strange times must bring a Cogger this deep into Yondra. Oh, come on, you guys, Petey finally jumped in. We can't just leave them standing there all tied up. Let's at least set them down. The old gizzard raised its scaly brow. Now that's a sound I haven't heard in a very, very long time. A platypus? That's right, Petey replied uneasily. Hmm, a rare breed indeed. Fine, Pocket said. We'll take him in, but only for questioning. Come on, you. He helped the gizzard sit on top of the crabby, and then ushered the crabbies to slog through the rest of the snail slime. Wait, the gizzard said. My staff, please. Pocket saw the gizzard's staff with the two claw pincers on the end, sitting where he once lay on the ground. As the crabbies slogged up to it, Pockets bent down, grabbed it, and then tossed it back to Cogleen. We've got it, but we'll hold on to it for now. The gizzard scowled. If you must. The crabbies pushed and pushed through the snail slime until finally their little crab legs broke free of the goo and started moving at normal speed. Once they were clear of it, they came to a stop so that Pockets could escort the tied-up gizzard back into the shell. Once Pockets, Cogleen, Petey, and the gizzard took a seat, the crabbies continued down the path. Petey set a blanket over the big lizard and offered him some food. Thank you kindly, the old gizzard said, gobbling the food right off the spoon. Mm, I haven't eaten in ages. Mm, roomy carriage, by the way. Petey? Pockets growled through his teeth. What? I ain't gonna sit here and let you tweet an old bag of scales like he's a prisoner. But that's exactly what he is, until we learn otherwise. Pockets faced the blind gizzard. What's your name? Brack Totorak of the West Gizzard Hive. I'm an elder of my hive and was once a ruler of my people. What happened? Cogleen asked. How did you end up in the snail slime? Brack nodded to the shell opening. Take a look for yourselves. We should be coming up on my hive any minute now. P.T. Pockets and Cogleen exchanged a look before making their way to the shell opening. As predicted, a minute later, a mud wall full of big holes came into view up ahead. Stop at those holes, Pockets told the Krabbies. The Krabbies did as they were told, bringing the giant shell to a skidding stop in front of the wall of mud. Pockets gazed up. 
It looked as though a massive mudslide had spilled down a cliff and was now full of shallow holes. From the looks of it, there were clothes and shattered furniture thrown out across the forest floor. Pockets, Coglin, and Petey hopped out to have a look around. Pockets stepped around shattered black pottery and a pile of broken log carvings. We reached the mud wall and climbed up a series of small holes that led up to the bigger holes and then peeked inside the cramped rooms. Everything was destroyed. It looked like a storm had blown through and torn everything to pieces. A few of the gizzard holes still had beds in them, and a few had a scaly blanket of shed skin pinned to the wall. There were signs that gizzard children once lived there as well. Lizard dolls carved out of wood. Pockets walked back over to the shell and the others followed. What happened here? He asked as he stepped back inside. Tuga happened. Brack stared off, his face sinking into a frown. He used to come around only a couple times a year, making friends and talking big about how the kingdom should be run. He acted like he was one of us, but he wasn't. His ramblings turned into obsessive searches for a dragon that he believed would help him overthrow the king and take power of Yondra. For some reason, he believed we knew the whereabouts of said dragon. He believed that since the gizzards are a distant relative of dragons, that we must know. But we didn't, and he grew angry. With much gusto and bluster, he managed to convince many of my friends to follow him in his search of the dragon. And in return, he promised prosperity and positions of power which to a notoriously impoverished species was all they needed to hear. We found our weakness and exploited it. He knew my people could not resist the idea of riches and power when all we knew was a lifer's yonder's outcasts, banished to mud hives and the deep holes of Rambreth's rock. Those who didn't want to follow, including myself, were attacked right here in our own homes, by our own people. We turned our friends against us. It wasn't long before Tuga captured me and tried to get me to serve him. He believed that the last few to resist would follow me, which was true. But I wouldn't give in. Like the ancient lizards of the East Shore, I fought as hard as I could for as long as I could. In the end... Tuga and his new army of gizzards defeated me. He threw me into the slime and left me there. The most terrible form of punishment. I suspect that Tuga and his converted gizzards are prowling yonder as we speak, in search of the fabled dragon and leaving a trail of destruction everywhere they go. That's exactly what is happening, Coglin confirmed. And he's also after us. You? Brack perked up. Why would that oaf have an interest in you? Coglin almost told him, but stopped herself when she saw Pockets holding a finger to his lips. Maybe he thinks we know where the dragon is, Pockets lied. Do you? Brack asked, his face growing stern. Of course not, Pockets chuckled. For only heading to the castle to help the king with his quest. I've heard nothing of a quest. 
He sent out a call for all the heroes of Yondra to come to his aid. We plan on finding out what that quest is. Perhaps it's to fight Tuka, Brack wondered aloud. Perhaps. You'll find out soon enough. Now, please, I must know. Where did you find those pajamas? Brack turned his pointed lizard head down as if he were looking at his clothes, which of course Pockets knew he couldn't do. These old things? Why, I traded for them. I had my sight then, and I liked all the colors. It's comfortable, too. I like to put cricket snacks in the pockets. In fact, I'm sure I still have a few in there, if you wouldn't mind. Not at all. Petey started to reach for one of the pockets, but Pockets slapped his hand away. No! Pockets turned back to the gizzard. Who did you get them from? He was starting to sound desperate. Brack thought for a moment. I didn't catch their names. Their names? Pockets felt a zing of excitement. It was years ago, as I said, before I lost my sight. There was a man, a woman, and a little girl. A little girl? Pockets went wide-eyed. Could he have a sister? Where did you make this trade? Where are they now? Brack snorted. Mac and Yondra, no doubt. That's how I knew you must be, Beyondran. Your fascination with these clothes. You were quick to point them out, and I've only ever seen these on a Beyondran. You can't have them, you know. I've got my own pair, thank you very much. Where did you make this trade? Coglin asked. Not far down the road from here, in Bog's Deep, the last major settlement before reaching the outer walls of the castle. Not sure how you plan on getting through the gate, but if you're making your journey that way, you'll have to pass through Bog's Deep. It'd be a good place to get supplies anyway. I can come along and help you if you like. I know many people there, gizzards, wallycrockers, and such. But first, you'll need to untie me. Not gonna happen, Pocket snapped. Why so harsh, Petey said. He's been awfully nice since we brought him in here. What reason have we to believe he'll do us harm? Look at him. He's old and blind. Shall we? He looked at Brack. No offense taken, Brack quickly replied. He's right. I've proven my value, and you've nothing to fear from this old gizzard. Pockets shook his head. So long as he looks like a giant lizard and is wearing those pajamas, he can't be trusted. Honestly, Pockets, Coglin folded her arms. You should never judge a book by its cover. Oh, really? Because it's the back of the cover that tells you all about the book, so you can make a judgment. And everything about this reptile is telling me he can't be trusted. That's rude, Brack mumbled. Petey nodded in agreement. But what if he, he ate the person that was wearing those pajamas, huh? Pockets looked at Coglin and Petey. What if Tuga left him here as part of a trap? Stuck in the slime for all that time? Brack shook his old scaly head. There are much more efficient traps to set, boy. I was clearly left in that slime for my own demise. Me being there only proves that I'm not in cahoots with Tuga. You'd like us to believe that? Come on, Pockets, Coglin pleaded. Look at him, 
Petey said. I don't trust him, Pockets persisted. Okay, okay, I've heard enough. The gizzard gave up. Just let me out of the carriage here, put something sharp in my hand, and go on your way. I'll eventually cut myself free. Pockets thought about it. That would be their safest option at this point. Gizzard or not, he didn't want to leave the creature for dead. Leaving him with something to eventually cut himself free would give them a good head start in case he was bad after all. Will you stop that? Petey fed the gizzard a few more bites of food. We can't leave him on an empty stomach. You heard him. He said he had cricket snacks in his pockets. He'll be just fine. We'll drop him off here. Pockets whistled for the crabbies to stop. He and Petey carried the gizzard out of the shell and set him down on the forest floor. There, Pockets said. You're out of the way of the path, so no one should run you over while you cut yourself free. Cogleen shook her head as she stepped out and looked around. The trees were mossy and sparse in this part of the forest. The canopies turned upward. Taking a deep breath, she went for a walk to loosen her gears. Back by the shell, Pockets pulled the small mirror from one of his pockets and smashed it against a rock. Then he took a jagged piece of the broken glass and put it in the gizzard's hand. And my staff, please, Brack said from the ground. Pockets hesitantly retrieved the gizzard claw staff and set it by a nearby tree. I don't want to leave your weapon too close, so I'm setting it by one of the trees to find once you free yourself. Pockets pulled out the rubber band from one of his pockets and stretched it in his hands. I'm going to cover your snout so that you don't shout for your gizzard friends to attack. There's enough stretch with the band that you can open your mouth slightly to breathe. Once you've cut yourself free, you'll be able to take it off easily. Wait, Brack said. One last word before you go. Pockets held the rubber band. Go on then. Caution. Pockets scrunched his face. Caution? Tuga and the king have spies and allies everywhere. Traps and tricks lie in wait. They're both more paranoid than you. Pockets rolled his eyes. Whatever it is this quest of yours entails, be sure it serves the greater good. Yondra is in short supply of good these days. And again... Thank you for saving my life. I shall never forget the paranoid but merciful Beyondrin and his friends. You're welcome, Pocket said. He placed the rubber band over the lizard's snout. He got up and looked at Petey, who was using a blanket to rock his egg that had heated up again. Okay, time to go. Cogleen? Cogleen was making her way back to the shell after a nice walk. A few paces from the crabbies, she stopped and tilted her head. She could have sworn that the long shadow cast by a tree looked nothing like the tree itself. For a moment, it was different. But when she turned to look at it, the shadow was as it should be, a dark reflection of the tree. Coglean, Pockets called again. I'm right here, no need to shout, Coglean said, walking up behind him. Oh, right, off we go then. As they climbed back onto the shell, Pockets noticed the small pile of snacks Petey had left the gizzard. Shaking his head, 
He gave the floss reins a flick and sent the crabbies skittering across the path. Far away in the heart of the Yandra forest, Tuga stumbled out of the trees followed by his army of gizzards. Look what we have here, said the enormously fat reptile. A camp of escaped coggers held each other and looked around at the menacing lizards that were closing in around them. Didn't think we could sneak up on you, eh? Tuga chuckled and his gizzards followed suit, many of them opening and closing the claws at the end of their spears. The poor coggers' gears turned as they desperately looked around for any sign of escape. They found none. I'll make this real easy for ya. Tuga slowly walked over to a tree, snapped off one of its biggest branches, and used it to poke into the clunky sailboat he wore so he could scratch his back. Without warning, he threw the huge branch and it narrowly missed the cogger's heads. You piece yourselves together to make me a carriage fit for a king, and I'll keep my fists from smashing you to pieces. What do you say? Without hesitation, the coggers grabbed onto each other and started piecing together. Their gears clanked and spun, their limbs bent and connected, until together they formed a shiny brass carriage. Their biggest cogs popped out to make the wheels. Tuga's face formed a hideous grin. That's the spirit. Slowly, he stepped onto the carriage and the poor coggers groaned under his weight. Tuga pointed. Follow that trail! Far ahead, Cogleen sat next to Pockets atop the shell as they traveled deeper into the forest. They hadn't gone far when Cogleen once again started noticing something strange about the tree's shadows. One second they were perfectly normal, dark outlines of branches and leaves, and the next they seemed to take another shape entirely. Some seemed to move out of place and follow them as they passed. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? Cogleen whispered, trying not to act nervous. The tree shadows, Pocket said. They're moving. I don't... Before he could finish, one of the shadows sprang out from behind a tree right in front of the shell. The dark silhouette was shaped like a knight in full armor. Moving in complete silence, the dark shape raised a shadow sword and brought it down. Whack! The shadow sword cut the floss reins as the shell came to a skidding stop. Terrified, the crabbies broke rank and scattered into the trees. Pockets and Coglin stared at the shadow in horror. It looked like nothing more than a flat dark spot on the path, yet it had a direct effect on the materials around it. Leaves rustled under its shadow feet. A line cut through the dirt where the dark, almost transparent sword dragged. Get back! Pockets shouted at it. He pulled out his yo-yo and cast it at the shadow, but the yo-yo only hit the ground before coiling back up to his hand. The shadow stood untouched. It slowly walked towards him. From the sides, more shadowy knights took form and approached the shell, swords drawn. What do we do? Cogleen cried. They can't be touched. Petey poked his head out. Is everything all right out? Where are the crabbies? Why are those shadows creeping towards us? Get back inside, Petey, Pocket said, running away from a shadow that was stretching up the side of the shell, swinging its dark sword after him. With every chop, thwack, 
a cut sliced across the shell's surface. Coglin tried and failed several times to fight back against the shadow chasing her, but every strike hit nothing but air. The shadowy knight's spear, however, left holes in the shell every time it lunged at her. One of the shadows charged into the shell and chased Petey around the room. Petey held his egg out of reach and barely jumped out of the way as the dark figure slung his mace. Thwack, thwack! Petey narrowly dodged a swing of the mace that stuck into the desk. Not making a sound, the armored silhouette propped its foot up on the desk leg and pried the weapon loose. Petey stumbled out of the shell and bumped into Pockets and Coglin, who were also retreating from the attacking shadows. They found themselves with their backs together, surrounded by the threatening shapes that were closing in with weapons raised. What do you want? Pockets shouted. We have nothing to give you. He fumbled through his pockets, looking for something he could use. But what could possibly work against a shadow? Silent in all but their crunching footsteps, the shadowy knights continued their pursuit. Pockets pushed his friends behind him as the tallest of the knights raised his sword. Pockets closed his eyes and turned away. The shadow knight brought its sword down, but the sword weapon stopped mid-air. After a long, miserable moment, Pockets opened his eyes and slowly turned back around. A pincer cloth staff was clinging to the shadow blade. Connected to it was Brack, the old blind gizzard. Gazing off through the trees, the huge pajama-clad lizard yanked his spear, flinging the shadow blade out of the knight's hands. The shadow blade wobbled into a nearby tree. Brack pinched onto the shadow man with his cloth staff and flung him into the trees as well. The other shadows attacked, but with every strike of a mace, spear, or sword, came an elegant block and counter-strike from Brack. The gizzard spun his staff through the air, knocking away the shadows, pinching onto others, and sending them flying into the trees. After one last pinch and throw, the shadows fled into the forest, leaving the old blind lizard panting and leaning against his staff. He almost collapsed, but Pockets, Petey, and Coglin quickly ran over and picked him up. That was incredible, Petey shouted. Coglin shook her head in disbelief. I've never seen anything like it. How did you do that? Pockets said. How could you know where to block and where to attack? You're... Blind? Brack finished with a smile. He flung Pockets' rubber band back at him. This old gizzard has survived worse than a band of shadow knights. Us cold-blooded gizzards are sensitive to changes in temperature. We can feel the chill of the shadows in the air. As a blind gizzard, I'm extra sensitive to their movements. He turned his head towards Petey. Thank you kindly for the crackers, by the way. Quite nice. Petey beamed. You're welcome. But... Pocket scratched his head. Why were you able to touch them, but we weren't? I can't, Brax said. But this can. He held up his staff. Claw staffs are forged from the hot coals of wizard fires. The same fires used to conjure the spells that summon shadow knights into being. They are defenders and assassins for the king. He commissioned wizards to bring them forth many moons ago. But it was many, many moons before that 
that the wizards gifted us with these cloth staff weapons. They are effective on most magical beings in Yondra. Amazing. Pockets eyed the cloth staff and only wished it was small enough to fit into his pocket and add to his collection. Now, Brack continued, if you don't mind, I have an errand to make in Bog's Deep, and I would appreciate a ride since you'll be passing through. Pockets hesitated. We'd love to have you ride along, Petey said with his arms outstretched. We'll give you the best seat we have, Coglin said. A ride fit for a hero. Brack waved away the gesture. Now, now, no need to fuss. I was only returning the favor. I'll be just fine inside the carriage. Um, Brack? Pockets stepped in front of the gizzard. There was a long, painfully silent moment as Petey and Coglin waited for Pockets to turn him away. But instead, he said, Forgive me for being quick to judge. I may have... Well, I may have been too harsh. Brack's cloudy eyes seemed to gaze into Pockets' face. Gizzards don't forget, but we do forgive. His old face smiled. We've both proven ourselves, Beyondrin. There's no more to say. Right, Pockets smiled. After you. He stepped back and let Brack use his staff to feel his way over to the shell. Petey and Coglin were smiling at both of them. Pockets whistled for the crabbies to come out of their hiding places and started tying their floss reins back onto the shell. I know it's none of my business, but I have to ask, Brack said, reaching the shell, how did such a small band of misfits come to possess such a large carriage? It's not a carriage, Pockets said. It's a shell. Brack froze in the shell opening. He took a step back and turned to face him. What did you say? It's a giant turtle shell that we're riding in. You keep calling it a carriage. Brack's scaly face turned down in a fearful frown. He whirled around and started feeling around the shell. It can't be. It can't be. He kept muttering to himself, running his hands along the curved sides, tracing the smooth grooves and swirls. Finally... His lizard hand stopped, and he turned back around. The look on his face made Pockets' heart pound in his chest. The lizard pointed behind him. Do you have any idea what this is? Further back in the forests of Yondra, Tuga and his army of gizzards brought their cargo carriage to an abrupt halt. They'd picked up the pace considerably since they acquired their new shiny vehicle. What is it, sir? A gizzard captain asked, helping Tuga off the carriage. The coggers let out a sigh of relief as the huge reptile stepped off. Move! Tuga pushed the captain out of his way and slowly hobbled over to a spot on the path. The small sailboat he wore clanged and clunked as he walked. With deep, raspy breaths, Tuga knelt down and picked up something small off the trail. He held it up to his beady eyes and examined it. I knew it. He turned around and held up the little chip for all to see. They've got my shell!
Hey, 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 Rocketeers. I hope you liked that episode of Pockets. Oh, man, this is getting pretty wild. I love this story. It's been really fun. It's uh, Anyway, I'm excited to hear what everybody thinks after hearing that. And there'll be a lot more to come. Trust me, it's going to get crazy. I want to give some shout-outs to some of our Rocketeers. My good friend, Penny. Girl, you're awesome. I love Penny. Penny is my neighbor, my good friend. And she's been listening to the podcast. And Penny, I hope you're enjoying Pockets. You're amazing. Thank you so much for listening. I also want to give a shout out to Air Khan. Come on, you Rocketeers, these names. They're too cool. They're too cool. Too many cool names. I'm going to say it every time. I'm just like, what the heck? Air Khan? That's the coolest name. I'm going to name a story Aircon. Aircon from Phoenix, which only makes Aircon cooler because guess what, Aircon? I'm from Gilbert, close to Phoenix. Go Suns, baby. Aircon, I hear your one of your favorite episodes is Life, episode number three, Gabby and the Gratitudes. You guys, I don't know if you've heard this story, but this is one of the earlier ones. The sound quality is not the best in those early episodes. You can definitely hear a quality difference. But I just love that story. Gabby and the Gratitudes, all about saying thank you and being grateful, obviously, for things. And uh, the Gratitudes are a band that Gabby is interested in. You need to go back and check it out. Anyway, it's from the season of life. Uh, and it's episode three, Gabby and the Gratitudes. And, I, and Eric Khan, I hear that you are a fan. So cool. I'm glad you liked it. And I'm glad you're enjoying the podcast. Before we do a couple Apple reviews... I want to share some news. Apparently, Spotify now lets you leave some reviews. I don't think you can write an actual review out, but you can give it like five stars. So, Rocketeers, if any of you are listening on Spotify, please go give the Purple Rocket Podcast five stars. I'd really appreciate it. I'm guessing it helps others uh, find the show. I'm not entirely sure, but I'm guessing that's how it works. Either way, it'd be appreciated. Any feedback is always appreciated. Uh, Here are a couple reviews from Apple Podcasts. This one says, best podcast ever. This is from Coco Banana Marley. Marley. I'm sorry, Coco Banana. But you're making me hungry for a chocolate banana, by the way. Chocolate dip banana. Uh, So anyway, Rocketeers, I need to go get me some chocolate peanut butter banana or something right now. So this review says, best podcast ever. Is there going to be more winglings? Our favorite character is Magborn. Good question. I do plan on coming back to winglings. That's the plan. I'm... Not totally sure if it's going to be like one of the next seasons I do because I'm kind of getting closer to wrapping up Pockets and the season of Space Train. Not super close, but closer to the point where I I'm, I'm need to be thinking about what stories I'm going to be doing next. And I'm debating between some. I, I'm trying to kind of juggle between doing like a new original series and a sequel series to you know one of the earlier seasons. And right now I'm definitely leaning towards Winglings because it's one of my personal favorites. I love Winglings and it'd be super fun to come back to it. I know everybody's like, oh, I want more Camp Dino. Please, Greg, Camp Dino. Please. And I'm sure that's the tone of voice that you're doing in it. And I'm definitely going to come back to Camp Dino eventually too. Um, but man, it's we might be due for some Winglings, right? So anyway, I don't know for sure, but Coco Banana, I plan on coming back soon. Next review. 
This one's from Fishtastic. It's Grandpa's Globe, five stars. You guys are doing a great job with this podcast. It is one of my favorites. Grandpa's Globe is my favorite, and I was hoping you could make more of them. I want to come back to Grandpa's Globe. Again, I'm trying to debate what series I should do next. So I'm not going to try to announce another season here and get everybody's hopes up. I want to come back to Grandpa's Globe eventually. Grandpa in particular is one of my favorite characters. I love Grandpa from Grandpa's Globe. It's basically just Sean Connery. A terrible Sean Connery impression in case you haven't caught on to that. Um, So yes, we will get there eventually. So thank you for leaving that review. This one's from Xavier, and it says, Purple Rocket is amazing. My family and I love listening to it, even if we are only driving to the grocery store. I love that. That's cool. In my opinion, Space Train Digger and Grandpa's Globe are the best yet. Sweet. Those are awesome ones. Man, you know what? I don't know if it's underrated. I don't see as many mentions for Digger. Digger's one of my personal favorites. I love Digger. And maybe it's because it's kind of more geared to like the older, it's, I don't know if it's geared towards, but I'm guessing the older kids, like the 10, 11, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds at least probably are the ones that enjoy Digger the most. But I love Digger. I think Digger's a blast. So if you haven't checked out Digger, go back and listen to it. It's appropriate for all ages, but I'm just saying it's maybe the storyline appeals more to the older Rocketeers. I'm not sure. Maybe somebody should shoot me an email and let me know. That'd be cool. And I love some of the feedback I've gotten Rocketeers. It's phenomenal. I love hearing what your experiences are. One of my favorite ones I heard recently was a family where um, I think it was Digger actually that they had been listening to. I could be wrong. But they were listening as a family and the dad had not caught up on Tigger. He was behind. And so he was like listening to some episodes at work or something or on his way to work. I don't know, something like that to catch up. And it seriously, it made my day when I heard that because that is my ultimate goal is that the parents and kids can listen to these stories together. And when I hear that you're able to listen and bond over them together, that's the best. That's seriously the, the coolest feedback ever. I love it. So thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you to all the patrons out there. The patrons are really helping bring these stories uh, to you guys because they've made it so I can actually pay somebody to help with the editing of the audio, which is uh, so much work and it's made my life infinitely easier. So patrons, thank you so, so much for doing that, your support. If you want to become a patron, you go to patreon.com slash Podcast to support the show. And uh, one of those editors that I was able to hire was... Jeremy from HarmoniousIdeas.com. So, Jeremy, thank you for your help. Mom, Roxanne Webb, thank you so much for looking up over this episode. I love, it's also a fun thing to bond with my mom over this. She'll edit, like, the story after I write it, and then sometimes I'll just have to call her up and be like, so what do you think about that? Does it, like, do you think I should have done that? Or, like, was that too intense? Or da, da, da. And, my, and my mom is awesome. She'll talk through it, and, and she can tell me if it's a terrible idea or not. <laughs> So uh, she's the best. Mom, love you. Thank you so much for your help. And Rocketeers, as always, you're amazing. Tell your friends and family about the show. Spread the word. And uh, check back next time for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.